When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey gang, good news. The Aer Lingus College Football Classic is back in Dublin at the Aviva Stadium this summer. The 24th of August, Florida State, Georgia Tech. I'm going to be there. Propos in the house. We'll get Ben as well. Hey, we might even drag Carlson with us this time. So if you want to be there too, head on over to collegefootballisland.com. Collegefootballisland.com. Register interest. You'll be the first in the queue for tickets. We'll see you there. It is a fine Monday, gang. I'll tell you why it's a fine Monday. Two fantastic championship games to look back on. I can't wait to break them down. We've got a full to the brim. Pass the Uncavity Avenue mailbag. When don't we? Quite frankly, on a Monday, if that wasn't enough. If that wasn't enough, ladies and gents, I'm Mike Carlson, live and direct from Madrid. Good to see you, man. It's nice to be back in the world of football. I've been doing ice hockey from the Winter Youth Olympics, which is taking place in Korea, but I'm doing matches uh, that I do from a studio here in Madrid for the Olympic Channel. And um, last night, watched the matches on uh, on TV, not on TV, here on my computer here. Um, I'm disappointed, in, you're disappointed right. in you, Carlson, that you didn't find a, 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 a prototypical dive bar that you were watching the games at three in the morning in Madrid and you decided to be very responsible and watch it in your hotel room. I have found that there are dive bars in, in Madrid, but very few of them are showing the NFL <laughs> on a Sunday. On a Sunday Something evening. we need to change, um, I think, Madrid guy. But yeah, we need, but they were, you're absolutely right. It, it was two fascinating games, two, two really, really good uh, football games. And uh, I think uh, we've got, We've got the final that a lot of people might have wanted and yeah. a little surprising in some ways. But um, it was a good good weekend, good weekend uh, for me in, in many ways, except that Jameer Gibbs didn't go over 47 yards rushing. But um, Marquez Valdez-Scantling went over 13.5 oh. receiving. So and Valdez-Scantling came good. We called this on edge rush. And this, I, I'm sure, will be a key narrative going in into Super Bowl 58, but the supporting cast for all the talk of Pacheco and Kelsey and Mahomes, of course, was Valdez Scantling. That gutsy play call, Valdez Scantling coming up with a good as well. Let's get into all of that in a bit, because I want to start with with the second game. But so many questions in the Pascal Gavin mailbag about it, uh, unsurprisingly. Detroit, tragically, predictably maybe, throwing it all away. Just when it looked like they had it in the bag and CJ Gardner-Johnson suddenly felt they did when he was... Uh, waving at the uh, waving goodbye to the San Francisco fans. I think that was ill-judged. That's the technical term for for CJ doing his shtick. And a lot of focus inevitably is on um, Dan Campbell and and three particular calls, right? The two fourth down calls and and the call at the end of the game, the play call at the end when they're in the red zone, he went to went for a run, swallowed a lot of the clock when they still had time potentially to get their get themselves back into it. Now, as I say, a lot of brilliant questions from the mailbag, Mark. In particular, I love this, right? So he asked this, Mike, with Dan Campbell's two fourth down decisions of not taking a potential six points, examples of bad game management or simply him being him and a reason why Detroit were able to get to where they got to this season. We were chatting pre-show. I made a Western reference about something else. I can't remember what we were talking about. I'm reading Mark's question, Mike. I always remember straight away that one of my favorite lines of the Western from the great Leo McGarry, when he says, you got to dance with the one that brung you. Isn't that what the Lions did? They danced with the one that brung them. Yeah, I, I think I think the answer to his question is that it was both, you know, but it was most decidedly Dan Campbell being Dan Campbell. And that's how, that's how the Lions had rocked. Interestingly enough, last week in, in my column, I wrote a long piece about a piece I had read in the New York Times about how coaches were jumping on analytics and going for it on fourth down, which was 
contradicted by its own graphs and all in terms of jumping onto it. Um, and then gave a long kind of explanation of all the odd kind of how they figured out the odds and blah, 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 ending in a short summary of it's still football and you have to do it. And I saw a breakdown of the possibilities from ESPN and they were basically in both cases, break evens in terms of winning, but the math tells you it's break even. Don, Dan Campbell's senses tell him that he should go for it because his team can make it and he's going, he's going to do it. And my sense tells me that when you're up 24 to 10, and you've just given up a field goal in the third. So, so you've, you've cut the margin to just two touchdowns. Put that field goal back on the board. Mm -hmm. Make it a three-score game. You know, that first one was the one that I found more inexcusable because to me, there's no reason to not to not put three on the board. The second one, which was in the fourth quarter, I think it was seven and a half minutes to go, more or less. Um, that one, you need two scores. Put Again, I think put the field goal up first because you're not in a position to get a touchdown from there. And someone said, well, Michael Badgley is, you know, it's Michael Badgley. Michael Badgley hadn't missed a kick for the Lions. You know, he only played four games in the regular season, but he didn't yeah. miss a kick in any. But playing playing devil's advocate for, for a minute, if the, if, the, if the numbers are that close and we've made – the point a number of times on the show, and I think this is very much your point, that analytics can only take you so far. You've got to read the, the individual and, and idiosyncratic situation that's unfurling in front of you right now. That combination of players, that moment in the game, all of those factors come into it, right? If the, but if the numbers were pretty even Stevens, isn't that exactly what Campbell should have done, right? In Insofar as, because he's such a, an emotional um, leader that, that, from day one, from press conference one, has blazed a call to action and his guys have gone with him. If he'd gone the other way, he would have been undermining that whole that whole I agree with I, I under I, I understand what you're saying and I agree with it. And and as I said, that's why he went for it. Yeah. You know, it, that's his faith. And we've we've had we've been in that situation, like like when Mike Vrabel went right. for the two-point conversion to win the game at the end of a, at the end of a game. Um and I said, Yeah, it shows your faith in the team. That's all very true. I'm just saying from my point of view, that first one to me is automatic in the other direction. I want to make it a three-score game with no with no risk involved. You yeah. know. No one's really criticizing Andy Reid for going uh, for for the uh, fourth and short after Kelsey's third and third and uh, whatever it was came up, you know, just short, which all of us thought was a bad spot. And then we saw the replay that said it actually was an accurate spot. Mm. So, you know, but in Andy's in Andy's case, they were on a they were on a roll. And and I think that uh, he was trying to he was going to build that lead and and thought that it was so circumstances to me said no and i perfectly understand it and honestly that was not the reason they lost the game well they lost the game because a freak play killed them and they couldn't make a couple of plays that they needed to make um there was a fumble um there was a drop by reynolds which which would have been really yeah. crucial and that's that's the that's the way it really works because when you see the analytics i'm not, i'm never convinced by the probability that includes making it because making it is really is not only not only dependent on the circumstance and they've got their figures for what you, you what teams do on average on fourth and three at this position in the field and how many points they generate from that. But I, that, I just don't trust that number. Yeah. Um, you know, and so anyway, Campbell, that's, Campbell, that's, that's, let me ask I you this agree about, with you completely. I'm, let me ask you this I'm about Campbell in a, in a few, it, 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 say he comes back in a few years time, right? And there's a lot of talk that the Lions are building something special. I know a lot of Lions faithful will, We'll be hanging a hat on that after uh, after the heartbreaking fashion in which they went down. If Campbell's back again in the same situation, does he do the same thing, or is this an example of a, an, a relatively inexperienced head coach that will learn from learn from the cuts and bruises? Interesting question, and I think Dan Campbell will go with his gut. I think that's the way that's the way he rides um, in, in the game, and they're his decisions. Uh, we talked about that, you know, is it, it appears to me that what Dan Campbell does is 
He tells his coordinators how he wants to win games, how, what he thinks they should be doing, how they can play complementary, and lets the coordinators do their thing. I don't think he lets them make that decision because mm. he thinks that's the, the leader's decision, the head coach's decision, and he's absolutely right in in thinking that. Yeah. Um, back to the mailbag, Mike, because like I, I said, there are some crackers in there. Uh, Andy Gilded, Andy makes the same point about the um, – well, uh, certainly the uh, aggressive play calls, as he calls them, being a feature of the of the Lions uh, in 2023. But he goes on to talk about the focus that really should be on the woeful, as he describes it, second half collapse of the Lions D. So let's take that. And firstly, do you agree with, uh, was it a Lions defensive collapse? Was it brilliant restructuring and pivoting from Shanahan and the, uh, and the 49ers offense? You mentioned that. Very jammy play, of course, from the Vildor deflection that went um, went to Ayuk, which was a lucky break. But that notwithstanding, what went down in the second half in terms of the the Shanahan offense and the Detroit D? Well, it was interesting because they were forced to play more of a drop back passing game. Not you know not completely, but obviously the the Ayuk the Ayuk play the deep pass was was a straightforward straightforward drop back. And they executed, they executed better. And I think Purdy, the Detroit rush did better than I thought it would early on, but yeah. Purdy negated some of that with, with his scrambling. And I think he realized that there, there was no point in his hanging around, you know, and, and that's where the San Francisco offense usually breaks down when they're trailing and why they have such difficulty behind, because when you're not running that, basic play action and you have to wait a little bit longer the pressure comes on and it become it becomes more difficult for the quarterback i think it's a worrying thing for san francisco that they've had trouble early in the last couple of games um in establishing that offense you know and getting it going and and why do you think that is mike why why have they struggled well against green bay people were blaming pretty small hands and and the the right yeah things like that I, i think it was that I think it was that in in both games, the defense was was doing a pretty good job of stopping those early reads and not buying and in, not buying into the play action, getting getting good reactions from the linebacking core. And I think they adjusted to that in the sense that they sent um, Anzalone in the wrong direction a number of times, um, in particular with, with motion. And, and like I said, I think that the Niners line started to dominate a bit more. But mm. like the other game, all of our focus is kind of on the on the offense. And I think their defense played very well in the second half because Detroit had run them crazy in the yeah. first half. They had yeah. almost 150 yards rushing in the first half. And they got they got away from that um a, a bit in the second half. And they were throwing the ball more. And Fred Warner had had a great a great game, I thought. Um, and this, the, the the Niners secondary did a pretty good job of controlling that controlling that pass game in the in the second half. Uh, and when you break when you break that down again, you you go to well, it's Laporta. It's kind of like the Chiefs. It's Laporta and it's St. Brown and then the other guys, you know, mm-hmm. and I, the guy who stood out in the first half and, and wasn't quite able to re- repeat, that was Jamison Williams, sure, sure. who also, you know, had, had a big game, made a couple of really big plays. On the 49ers offense for a moment, uh, Matt Barrows, who's a, a beat writer for the 49ers, made a really good point about a couple of key plays that Purdy made scrambling, running, that um, at crucial times in the game. And it was, I think it's the second or third most yards he got on the ground all season. Is that that's mm-hmm. something we haven't, obviously, if it's the second or third, he picked up 40-odd. We haven't seen much of that in Purdy's game. Is that something you think we might see more of? Do you think that, that that's something that Shanahan might tap into a little bit more in? in I doubt that he would run him on design running kind of plays. And the reason we don't see more of it is that the offense isn't designed for that because the offense is running play action most of the time. And so Purdy is usually moving in the pocket and, and therefore going to dump the ball um, 
when he was scrambling, he was pretty much scrambling out of a pocket for his life, um, a, yeah. steady, a, a steady po- a pocket, and did very well at finding finding an exit point. That was the key thing for him was to get that that exit point, and then ran very well. The the second run was more in motion because he 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 took a quick look and then decided he was going to go to the outside, and he went he he ran to the left corner left corner and got I think twenty one yards on that. Um, so, but I think that's the reason he doesn't do more is that they. Basically, the system doesn't isn't designed for it to let him do that. You know, mm. he's he's so committed to one move or the other on the play action pass. It's not scrambling. It's not really a thing. So where are we on Purdy then in uh, in this re- recently <laughs> biased fast react? There's a good one actually from Cami uh, Walker. Hey, Cami via Insta. Always like a question. Uh, from Instagram in the Passio mailbag, because we are X heavy, Iron Mike, as you well know. Uh, Cami says, why do I feel like a proud dad when Purdy consistently makes big time plays in big moments? Well, Fox and NBC stop talking about how Purdy can't come from behind. So yeah, it's interesting going, driving to the game and we're watching it with our pals actually at Passio and Cavani. Shout out to them. Shout out to our Fitstairs crew as well, who kindly hosted us and, uh, Propo in the house, the guru, uh, Benny as well. So it was good fun. We missed you, I Mike, but it sounds like you were rolling over in Madrid. And in the game, uh, oh, sorry, in the drive on the way over, I was listening, catching up with a pod that was just laying in to all the classic party. The small hands thing came out, it, the <laughs> limitation, everything came out. All the usual tropes about Purdy came out, but he's had the last laugh once again. What do you make of his performance in total, uh, in all four quarters last last night, he he just he just isn't going to get the the hype, is he? Um, and you know, in in a sense, he's still an unfinished product or inexperienced product. Um, sure. And people use the word system quarterback like it was a bad thing. You know, we've had this discussion any number of times. You know, many of the great quarterbacks of all time have been system quarterbacks. I always argue Peyton Manning was a system quarterback. It was just his own system, you know, but <laughs> but they basically the Colts ran about three running plays and the rest, you know, which were all the same, you know, a draw, sweep left, sweep, sweep right. And and um and Manning ran the passing offense the way that he wanted to run it. And Tom Brady is the greatest system quarterback ever um, yeah. because he could adjust the systems game by game, you know, within game year by year, depending on what Belichick had, you know, had, had, had conceived up. And, you know, in this era, Mike, with that, in, in this era with, with Lamar, Mahomes, Allen, is it, is it more at those kind of players, those those simple but effective players like Purdy, going to become more and more maligned because of the stark contrast? Yeah, and the the problem with Purdy is he doesn't look like a star quarterback. You know, he's he's not Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert. You know, um, tall, good arm. He's not. He's obviously not Lamar. Um, you know, or or another run run quarter. He's not even Jared Goff in that sense of that. Mm-hmm. You know, having the the big arm. He, he looks kind of unassuming. He's um, he looks more like Drew, Drew Brees, but he doesn't play like Drew Brees. He actually <laughs> plays like a guy with more downfield. Um, so 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 it's hard to it's hard to come up with a personality for him. You know, and he should be like pretty Purdy, like Bernard Purdy, the drummer, you know, or, or something like that, where he, he could build build an image. And Mike, they call like his agent with that. Sure. They're, they're going to love that. I would, yeah, I'm not <laughs> sure why that. he's gotten off to such bad starts in the last, in the last, but I think part of it is a natural thing because the de- the teams and defenses that they're playing have been better. And right. Detroit, Detroit is an anomaly because they fell so far behind so early. And mm. so therefore you're, you're taken out of your normal rhythm. Uh, you know, even the scripted plays kind of have to go. Yeah. It's, it is interesting. The whole, the optics um, do work against him for sure. And to your point a minute ago, he's still really young. I mean, he's, he's you know, I think this is, un, uh, you know, understated here that it's extraordinary return given, given where he's got. I mean, he could have been back-to-back Super Bowls if he hadn't had the injury last year, and, and here he is again. We'll look ahead in a minute. Just looking ahead for the Lions, there's, a, as I said, a lot of optimism about their future. But at the same time, is there is there a sense that this was the shot? This was the moment? 
Well, possibly because things broke for them well in the postseason. And obviously Green Bay is going to be a better team in their division this year. I mean, we, we kind of know that already. Because, well, we don't know it, but we're assuming that they will build on the last six games of this season, you know, mm. and, and be much better. But they're a young team in a, in a lot of ways. They had a very good draft. Um, and they don't have – they have a great offensive line, which if they can keep together will be good. They don't have any other, you know, massive needs. They said they probably need help in the secondary. Um, they could probably use a pass, a second pass rusher. That would probably be their primary, their primary um, building block. Someone up to go opposite. Um, well, what's his name? Um, as, as the yeah, as the um, you know, designated Russian, they could probably use another linebacker, but you know, nothing, nothing awesome there that they need. You know, they need to fill things out. And Gibbs, Laporta, you know, a couple of great rookie rookie seasons from them, and Goff, Goff is Goff. I mean, you know, I saw a stat when he was rushed. He was when he was under pressure. He was over eight in that game. Mm. Um, the idea is to keep him from too many of those pressure situations and it's i wouldn't make more of it than than you than you actually need to um so yeah i think detroit's got a, a, a pretty good future um the, the biggest worry for me is that they're gonna i think they're gonna lose, lose ben johnson. Ben johnson yeah 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 and um that's gonna be a hard thing to replace i mean you know you notice philadelphia just um signed kellen moore as their offensive coordinator mm. um i don't think that is necessarily going to be a fix it for Philadelphia. Um, but it'll depend on how he and Sirianni kind of merge together offensively. Mm. Um, how big, I mean, Johnson is uh, last season as well, of course, was a, was a real darling of, of the media and observers. And a lot of people thought he'd get a, get a head coaching gig last time out. And he sort of cemented that position evidently with the run that the Lions have had. How instrumental is he in this specific makeup as well? If we if we extend what we were saying about Campbell and the type of coach he is, is it uh is it a, a logistical structure of coaching that relies even more on coordinators than than other setups? So it's an even bigger yeah, I, and I think I think he you remember you remember how they started? What was it was um, Anthony Lynn was the uh, yeah, offensive yeah. coordinator, and then Campbell took over the play calling in the last half of his first season. Right, and then they made Ben Johnson the offensive coordinator, and he had a great season last year. Um, and I, you didn't see it so much in this game. I'm not sure why they got away from. I think trying to protect the run, trying to protect the lead and still be the aggressive team that they want to be was a problem for them. Mm. But certainly in the, in the week before his play calling was super against the Packers. Um, he really was, he really was picking them apart uh, as the game went along. And, you know, I think that's going to be, um, that's going to be a bit hard for them to replace how well he does. I'm assuming Washington is where he winds up, which seems to be the, the hot rumor, you know, whether he's, he becomes his own offensive coordinator. What he does, I don't know. How he mm. how he becomes a head coach, I don't know. But he's certainly a great offensive coordinator, and um, you know, I think I think that's going to be the hardest thing for Detroit to replace because I think Goff needs a really good offensive coordinator, right? Who understands you know understands what he does really well and and can make make the best of that. Just staying on the a bit of a tangent, but on the coaching tip. I've got to get your perspective on Belichick, Mike, because it looks like he's he's not going to get a gig, right? Assuming Johnson, Johnson is. I would, the, I would assume not. Yeah, yeah. Unless he goes to Wesley and is the defensive coordinator. <laughs> Would you join his staff if he does? The <laughs> where does that leave him? Does, is there any way back for Belichick? As in, is it is it conceivable that he sits out a year and then gets a gig? What in twenty twenty five? Funny, funny. I wrote about that as well because Marv Levy said a few weeks ago when when the. Um, you know, when when Carol, when Carol and Bill and um and Nick Saban all retired, you know, he retired at 71. Mm. And um uh, Wilson, the owner of the Bills, tried to stop him from retiring, but they'd had they'd had a not so great year and he he thought he should step down. And uh, Ralph Wilson, of course, was like 10 years older than Marv. So right. <laughs> of course he wanted to stay around. He's fine to carry but, on, yeah. um but he then wanted to come back, he said. 
you know, he got through the first year okay, and the second mm. year he got really antsy. But at that point, when he started like putting feelers out, he would have been, I think, by the time the next season had started, he would have been seventy-four, and no one was going to hire a seventy-four-year-old head coach. Mm. And I think Bill will probably come up. You know, he'll have one more year if he wants to. I'd love to see him in the booth. Um, mm. You know, I think he, I think he'd be great. Um, and, <laughs> that so would go either way, Frankie. Can you imagine one of those roundtables? Things where if the guys try to clown with him and like yell well, over well, they him and stuff the, like the that. one line before half time. <laughs> that would be great. You know what, Mike? This listening to you, then he could run for president. <laughs> I mean, no, you don't. We don't want Bill to run for president because oh. Bill Bill is um, not unsurprisingly a very conservative guy. I think. Oh, okay, we don't want that. <laughs> okay, so, um, so basically, we don't we don't want Bill Bill for president. Kind of age bracket, but yeah, Bill. Yeah, I, I also don't want Matt. Matt. I don't want Matt Patricia. As, as secretary VP. of defense. <laughs> of course, he's secretary of defense. Who's his VP running mate? He has to get a go for the youth. It'll be McDaniels. Of course, it'd be McDaniels, wouldn't he? He'd bring the he'd bring the South <laughs> with him. Um, okay. Let's talk the brilliance of well, I was gonna say the brilliance of Mahomes and, you, and Kelsey, but the brilliance you, you of know, Spags is the big story, right? Can, well, yeah, um, that is the big story, although we could segue from Bill to Andy Reid um, because now Andy's only only 65 now. He's young, younger than Bill, but they, they were kind of they were kind of running parallel when, when he was in Philadelphia. Um, and Andy has, like Bill, produced consistently good teams, although he was never able to win the big game. Um until he got Patrick Mahomes, which people kind of ignore when they talk about the Belichick-Brady relationship. But I think what what's what is important here um, is that Andy hired Steve Spagnuolo. Spag, Spags is to Andy what Bill was to Bill Parcells, I think. Mm. Um, and, you know, that important. And there aren't, I'm not sure if Spags is the greatest defensive coordinator in the league. Um, obviously, after after the game, the first game yesterday, he was the greatest defensive coordinator who'd ever lived. Mm-hmm. Um, but that will, you know, that will only last until the next hot take comes along. But he's certainly in this century, the best game planning, the best, the guy you would want for a single game. You know, he's come up with some tremendous game plans um, and ways to stop teams from doing doing what they want to yeah, do. And the formidable offenses as well. I mean, you know, this was this was the key, I guess. And, and just uh, you hear some of the Ravens players after the game last night talking, obviously, about the, the pressure and they bring in the blitz more than they expected. That, you know, a lot of the players or a number of the players were saying the same thing. We We didn't anticipate this. We didn't we didn't see this coming, which was, I thought, a fascinating response. Yeah, and he he sent he sent them a lot, you know. Um, and in the fourth quarter, it was really funny because partly I think it was tiredness, but partly it was they were desperate to can keep Lamar controlled. So the mm. line, they were it looked like arena football or sumo wrestling. It was like they were all paired up and dancing, you know. Um, <laughs> and, and the defensive linemen were just standing there, like waiting to see if Lamar would break the pocket or not. And when he was sending pressure, he was sending pressure from linebackers and and, and secondary uh, quite a bit, which Baltimore also did when they, you know, Bale got the got the first sack of of um, of Mahomes. But um, it was a it looked like in the first quarter it was going to be a back and forth nba style shootout like the nfl wants and it really turned into a you know how i don't know baller knocker you know it, it turned into a real tough fight oh i mean the the, the over looked like a lock after the first seven minutes and then it yeah. just crashed yeah, exactly out. exactly and and to me the the interesting thing um, was that Andy really resisted. You know, you talk about a game manager. Patrick Mahomes was a brilliant game manager in this game. Yeah, right. And, you know, he kept plays alive. He, but Andy resisted that temptation to start throwing the ball, whipping the ball downfield. Yeah. They kept running. Even though, even when the lead had dropped, you know, to seven, they kept running the ball and working the clock. 
you know, confident, I think, that the defense was going to be able to keep Baltimore in control. And they came very close to not keeping them in control. Mm. Um, you know, obviously Zay Flowers fumble was was kind of the the turnaround turnaround play there. But you know, the the, the Ravens were being pure hardball, I think, at, at times. You know, the mm. the penalty for knocking knocking uh, Smith over. And both teams were very, very physical. There were a lot of uncalled penalties. Um, and there were a few badly called ones as well. The first hold on Smith, I don't even know if his hands were on the guy. He was all helmet and shoulder. Um, there was what do you one make of Justice the, um, the, what do you make of the say flowers when after the, after the catch for, um, unsportsmanlike conduct? For ta- taunting? Yeah, for taunting, I think, yeah. the, I think the key thing there, which, in my mind, was enough to, to draw the flag, although Gino Steratore, um seemed to think that the key thing was the standing over him and, yeah. and spinning the ball. But I thought it was him pushing him back down yeah. um, as, as he started to get up, you know, kind of pushing him back onto the floor. And to me, that was that was the flag. Um, uh, you know, I don't mind guys drawing after a play. Yeah. You know, if you, you know, that that doesn't bother that doesn't bother me. And it's consistent because yeah, you, you've got you know the the classic and Kelsey did this a number of times. You know, the first down. I mean, if that's provocative, and but yeah, it's fine. It happens. But I guess it was the duality of that he doubled. Yeah, down I think two I think I think Kelsey was drawing all the time. Yeah, and he eventually he drew the penalty on Van Noy. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah that's it. right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. But there was one where just Justice Hill, Chris Jones was being held actually in a pass rush when they, Lamar was throwing from the end zone, and Hill missed a block, um, and he was going down, and he he swung his legs to trip Chris Jones, and that's an egregious foul in the NFL, and no one, the referee is back there and in perfect view of it and, and didn't bother to call it. Um, but, you know, I just thought, I just thought that um, Baltimore, for some reason, went away from the run and not yeah. because Kansas City was stuffing the run. You know, on that first drive, when, when they scored the touchdown, Gus had the first play of the game, Gus had like a 10-yard run. And then um, that was pretty much yeah. all he had. I mean, God, in the first half, I was looking he, at the, the, the he first only carried half, the ball three yeah. times. Three times. So what? What? What went wrong there? Why did they go away from the run so much? I, that I cannot answer because I don't think I don't. I can't imagine they thought they couldn't run the ball against the Chiefs. Yeah, I can't imagine it. Um, and I, I don't know if they thought Lamar was was going to run more himself. Mm. They didn't call so many, you know, I, I thought they'd come out in the second half and play like they had in, in the second half um, the green the before when, yeah. when they were down with, with short drops, quick slants, Lamar designed runs, you know, and, and play a, a more ball, ball control game. But, but really their most valuable player almost apart from maybe Hamilton was Jordan Stout because his punting kept the chiefs pinned down for the most part. And the chiefs, made a lot of third downs, kept a lot of drives alive and used an awful lot of clock. Um, so, you know, take away the, take away the fumble, um, the Sneed, the Sneed forced on, on the goal line. What a, what um, a play. And Flowers was inconsolable, but I mean, and uh, it was interesting. Harbaugh came out in defense of him yeah, after and said, we asked, we asked the players to do this. We asked him to dive. He did everything we'd expect him to do to dive with two hands in that situation. So it wasn't on Flowers, but Sneed was, I mean, it was, it was genius for me. It was genius play. It was a brilliant, a brilliant play to, to to think, you know, to see it and think and execute it. Um, Danny Woodhead tweeted, mm. you know, what Bill always says is don't stretch on third down, only stretch on fourth down um, when you're at the Interesting. goal line. You know, only only on fourth down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know, I can I can kind of I can kind of agree with that. And Baltimore mm. took, you know, he took some bad penalties in a game that was pretty like loosely called, but. Mm. You know, they had eight for 95 and, and Kansas City had three for 30. And How was Kelsey getting away with it? In, you know, as in Mahomes and Kelsey getting away with it so routinely. Well, what, what, how were the Ravens just weren't getting wise? This is brilliant Ravens. Steve weren't getting wise to it. Kelsey looked like Gronk the year when he came, you know, like his last year in New England when it took him like three steps to get up to high to top speed. Yeah. And, um, yeah, yeah. But I think what it was when they man covered it with Hamilton. Yeah. Hamilton had to at least leave some space in case Kelsey was going to go deeper. And, you know, the, the touchdown catch, for example, Hamilton held him 
they then quote unquote hand fought, as you say, and Kelsey kind of pulled himself free. But still, Mahomes had to put the ball low and, and to the outside in order to get it past Hamilton. And um, I think I think they were willing to settle for those six seven yard gains. That was the game. I'm convinced that was the game plan. Was that they were going to consistently go downfield getting six or seven on a first down and mm. making the next two downs manageable so they could kill the clock and keep Lamar off the field for as much much time as possible mm. um and knowing I think they and trusting I should, would be the better word that their defense was going to um what was the final what was the final time of possession first half it was over 20 minutes so it was over two to one yeah to the chiefs and for the game it was 37 and a half to 22 and a half yeah yeah you know you, they they can't beat you if 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 they're not if they're not on the field and though the other the other thing that's quite a mistake is everybody says the zero blitz we knew the zero blitz was coming on the second pass to MVS, you know, mm-hmm. the, the, the one that ended the game. But it actually wasn't a zero blitz. When you watch the play, they showed blitz. And then Hamilton, for example, dropped back into coverage. The thing that didn't happen was that even though it wasn't officially a zero blitz, nobody MVS was still single covered. So the route that they were going to go to was the one that they could go to. Mm. Um, so everything, everything worked out, worked out fine for them. Cause they, they knew, they knew the blitz was coming and, and Baltimore showed that blitz, but didn't actually do it, but couldn't get back into it, into any kind of shell, shell coverage on it. And I think the greatest stat in the game for me was Pacheco ran 24 times for 66 yards, 68 yards, less than three yards a carry. Andy Reid let a guy run 24 times, averaging less than three yards a carry. <laughs> right. you know, normally, Andy Reid gets bored with the run game after three carries where he gains seven yards a carry. Yeah, And yeah, that's, yeah. What I mean, what, that's what I mean about sticking to this game plan to, yeah. you know, to keep and possession. It's a great point you make because we've talked about the flaws in, in this Chiefs offense all season long and the defense so many times. You said how the defense has got him out of dodge and got him out of jail. And in the playoffs in particular, obviously Kelsey's reappeared and has had a fantastic playoffs. Pacheco has been been instrumental and Rashe Rice. Why? And that try yeah, I wonder what what might have happened. And that trifecta, it, it feels like uh it well, certainly it is enough to get him to the big show. Is it gonna be enough though? going forwards if the 49ers defense is on it or are they going to need as I've been talking to you about a number of times expecting this that needed this needs to happen earlier on in the playoffs that Valdez Scantling McCall Hardman and these second tier guys are going to have to step up oh is that exactly what we saw is the Valdez Scantling completion to kill the game exactly yeah. all they need yeah I think you can get 75,000 to one on Kadarius Tony as the Super Bowl MVP. <laughs> You've been listening to Edge Rush Iron Mike. I called it last week. I'm putting a fiber. What provide do you see do you see why he was a scratch as well? It was an injury and personal his, reasons. What his you, wife his wife had a baby. Oh, is that right? I didn't see this that came out. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that was the yeah. first that was the oh, first Oh he's definitely reasons. Super Bowl MVP now then. I mean it's yeah. even more even more of a look. Um <laughs> yeah it's gonna be a challenge um because you want to you want to be able. To, first off, are they going to turn the lights down to the stadium and, and then and then bring out um, you know some ex Chiefs star to g up the crowd or or maybe <laughs> maybe they bring out um, the Ray Lewis you know or, or Ed Reed or someone. I I thought that was pretty tacky. What well, with Suggs bringing out Suggs? Yeah, when they brought out Suggs. Yeah, Suggs. Suggs. Yeah, and Suggs, tur- Suggs and looks out. like he could still play though, right? I mean, the way I'll bet she could. <laughs> they should have probably put him in. <laughs> Suggs, Suggs are taking care of Kelsey. Yeah, yeah. But it'll, it'll be a challenge. It'll be a challenge for the Niners' defense. Um, but it's it's something that they're they balance out well against it. They're they're strong inside. So if, if arm if they can get that inside pressure from Hargreave and from Armstead, that's how you disrupt the play action movement uh, from the running game and they and Warner and Greenlaw can cover tight ends you know so they can they can basically use the two linebackers as well as their as their secondary to cover and I'm not sure how you know the secondary the deep secondary for them is cornerbacks are not that great 
Um, and I think another interesting thing is how aggressive the Kansas City secondary is mm. in terms of getting their hands on you and, and controlling you. And mm. there were a couple of fairly blatant uncalled holds um, and, and interferences, but you have no way of predicting how the officiating crew is, is going to react to that or when, you know, and, and think back to last year when, um, when it was a, a, a hold, a perfectly legitimate holding call, but one that had not been called earlier in the game when the same basic thing happened um, mm-hmm. on Bradbury, which was kind of the defining play of the play of the game. So, yeah, I think, I think it's, um, it's going to be, a, it's going to be a good matchup. And I, I think back to um, Houston, which was, I think the last Super Bowl I did on site live, because I think the next one was a COVID Super Bowl. Um, did you, did Miami. Was, you did Miami on site, didn't you? Was that 2020? Yeah, no, it was 2020. Yeah, 2020. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that wasn't no Miami was after that. Yeah, because yeah. that was a COVID. That was a COVID. Uh, um, Pre-COVID, just before too. COVID. No, no, that but was that, just before COVID landed. Um, yeah, it was Feb 2020. Yeah, yeah, and um, but I always thought that the the Chiefs got a bit job. The, sorry, the um, Niners got a bit jobbed in that game. There were yeah. a couple of un, uncalled plays or badly called plays that, that hurt them. So I, I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, and I, I think it'll be it'll be another good matchup. Um, well, we're going to you know. break that down, you and I, in, in a lot more detail. That show will drop next Monday. We're going to record that and drop it next Monday. I and Mike Super Bowl preview coming your way. We've got J-Bell in the house as well. He's a... Uh, he is uh, locking in. I think Jabo's Wednesdays uh, is rocking up. We've got a lot of other special guests coming over the next fortnight. Uh, don't forget, we'll be out in Vegas, of course, for the big game. And Propo and I will drop an episode. Uh, well, we're trying to establish whether we're going to do it in stadium or the which, morning after the night. Before. Which which casino? Which casino is going to let you do it next to next to a slot the machine? Sahara in Vegas is where we're heading. But um, <laughs> let's get because we've got such a great mailbag. I want to get into as many of these as I can. Yeah, let's do so. Let's do it. Um, well, Andy reading we're talking about Belichick and maybe that's all she wrote for Bill. Interesting question in terms of Andy Reid and uh, and the Super Bowl uh from adam if cuddly andy reed i think you're uh, you ever get that applied to you Any, iron mike cuddly iron mike you ever had that uh no um i haven't really rarely been described as cuddly. cuddly is probably one of the least the least uh iron mike word i'd use uh if cuddly andy reed wins his third ring do you think there's a chance he may retire I don't think so, because kind of like Belichick, I think Andy loves to coach. Um, I did. I wrote another piece for Gridiron magazine. I, I can't remember offhand whether it was earlier this year or, or at the end of last season, but about whether the Chiefs were, were a dynasty. Yeah. If we could define the Chiefs as a dynasty. And I said, basically, I thought they needed another Super Bowl win for that. Mm. So they're in a position to do that because Andy's got them there consistently. Um, he's won, he's won the big one um, with Mahomes and he's shown, you know, basically that he's very good at team building, team constructing. And so, you know, I, I think he's about to vault himself into an, um, into the position where why should he bother to retire? He's lucky in that he's younger than Bill. So he hasn't got stuck in his ways um mm. you know bill had brady all that time and he so he always knew you know all these all things were possible and andy's got the same thing with sure. most and people forget andy's last two years in philadelphia he had almost the same record that bill had his last two years in new england right yeah yeah it's only like one a one game difference you know reinvented himself i get yeah but he was young enough to get he was young enough to get rehired Mahomes is on pace, Brady pace, isn't he? If he if he wins this one, in terms of yeah. three and seven or whatever the, the mass of three and eight, yeah. The, and um, I think you can argue that Mahomes is a system quarterback, given what they've done the second half of the year, where they you know they finally said Andy finally said, look, we can't keep pretending that we've got Tyreek Hill, you know, or another or Marquette or um, Juju or someone like that, you know, another deep deep threat. We're going to have to we're going to have to play a more bold. Ball, ball control kind of game and that's what they did and they made it work i don't know if you're just playing with me carson because i've been pushing that Kadarius tony mvp line for a while and i think it's gonna happen i can <laughs> i can 145 yards two touchdowns you heard it here first kids um well we talked about the uh the concept of uh kansas city as a dynasty i guess the other thing to consider with with that question of whether reed steps down is they could have a number of starters that are 
free agents going into the offseason. Obviously, they'll be able to re-up a few of them, right? But there is going to be a fair amount of flux with this Kansas City side. So I just I just think, though, that if you, God, when you've got Mahomes and when you've got enough of that core, you can retain enough of that core, what for one more roll of the dice, you're going to want to do it. It's what makes them the coaches that they are in the first place. It's, this must be so hard to walk away from that. If, walk away yeah. if everybody's leaving, you know, you've got to rebuild. You think, ah, forget that. Like McVeigh was thinking about in, in LA, right? Was thinking, ah, oh, this might be. And he's, That's and he's a very good analogy, I think, because McVeigh's got the same thing as Andy Reid. It's like he wants to be a football coach. Mm, you know, what else just, is, what else, what Andy's else not going to be. You know, I, I wasn't I wasn't really joking about Bill going into a booth somewhere because mm. he's a great analyst. And, you know, if you watch that NFL 100 show, you know, Bill, he knows everything. You know, the, mm. there's this wonderful one with Ed Reed. Um, and they're talking about Ed Reed fooled Peyton Manning on one play. And Chris Collinsworth is doing it. And he says, you know, and they had that root combo. And Bill just turns around and says, that wasn't a root combo. It was an out. It was a it was a, a jet or a go. Yeah, it was mm. a go is the word he used. And Ed Reed's going, well, yeah, it was a go. You know, he knows what he's talking about. And he said, it was the best play I've ever seen a safety make. You know, and it, it was brilliant because what happened is Peyton pump fakes to the left. And looks and Ed reads in the middle of the field. And he's he's turned um, the other way because after the fake, he knows he's coming down the middle. So Peyton then goes and throws to where he pumped fake, and Reed is there. And Reed literally opened his body to the one side and then just turned and kept running because he and he said what the neither of the coaches had realized. He said, "I saw when Peyton pumps left, he throws left. Mm. He pumps left, goes back to the middle like he's going to throw there, but the throw is going to go there. Always going to go he that said, way." I was watching the film and I knew it. And Collinsworth gets into one of those. So you knew that he knew that you knew that he knew. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, but 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 Bill is so, he's really he's really good and funny. But I, Andy, I don't would, would do that. Andy wouldn't like that. They wouldn't like that shit. Oh, can we get Belichick on a Skip Bayless type show? <laughs> wouldn't, be, wouldn't it? Wouldn't it be great though? The most ridiculous shouting heads format you can think of. <laughs> Just parachute belichick in there i would be compelling it would be compelling make him make him stand up and make him wear you know one of those stupid outfits with big sneakers and tight jeans and a, a sport coat and stuff and you know make him stand by the screen and then have everybody screaming screaming <laughs> ever around him at him in between. put him in a headlock you know yeah but he's just I love still, this guy. still just <laughs> yeah rub his head oh god brilliant um Okay, Shmokey, a question what, for the yeah. five. Who would you who would you rather uh, who would you rather be dating? Taylor Swift or or um, Kylie Kelsey? Or oh, Kylie Kelsey? God, that's a tough call. I'm a, a gentleman and a scholar on Mike, so I'm not going to answer that. But I'm sure you have an answer for your own question. That yeah, Kylie Kelsey. Yeah. Oh, I mean, very attractive woman. Mm. Seems to be like sparkly, but she's talking about Jason going to Buffalo. You know, mm. to see the Chiefs game, and he's out there with the with the Bills fans. You know, yeah, yeah, they, yeah. In, the legendary in, now legendary photo, of course. In in the in the tail in the tailgating, and she says, "Oh, but he didn't he didn't get he didn't get to to jump off and break a table." You know, he really wanted. I felt so sorry for him. He didn't get his chance to jump. I want I want a wife who wants me to jump, <laughs> to jump off and break a table. table. The benchmark of a good night. If that hasn't happened. Yeah. The nights are I done. Boy, boy, is that great, you know. I I let's stop with the all the uh all the Taylor Swift hate though, for the love of God. I love the fact that it just winds up a lot of middle American football. Oh yeah, yeah. But I mean, I don't mind. It, it's fine, you know, it's it, it's great. And there's that thing where like the Beckham, she seems to be dressing him now, and you know, he's um, but I think you know, I, <laughs> so I think what, that's why fine. Not that if they're happy, if they're happy. that did you yeah. see that big smoochie, the big smoochie they had at, I didn't um, I missed the, the big field? smoochie. Oh no, I yeah, missed the my big reaction smoochie. was how did she get on the field? Yeah, sure. Well, there's a, um, one of the first things I saw breaking was not this brilliant defensive performance from 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 uh, Spags and Co. It wasn't Mahomes uh, and and Kelsey connecting in the way they have. It wasn't even the supporting cast like Valis. It was how is Taylor Swift going to make it from her gig in Tokyo to the Super Bowl? I mean, there was a thousand words dedicated to that. Iron Mike. Maybe we should do more of that on this show, quite frankly. Um, but I um, did I it like give it. the root? Did it give the possible roots? Did should have should have shown, shown the roots. Hey, that's some good YouTube content for us. We'll push that out on our YouTube yeah. channel. The NC Show. Good to see so many of you following us on that. All, all all roads lead to Vegas, right? 
Oh, that's a very fair point in so many ways. I'm Mike. I know you're a big fan. Um, here's where, what... where is she playing? Where is she playing? Where is she playing in Tokyo? In Tokyo. In Tokyo. Oh, Tokyo. Yeah. Easy yeah, yeah. peasy. Yeah. That's easy, is it? That's an easy. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think Tokyo, you... LA. Just Tokyo, LA, and then drive. Well, she's probably We're got getting... a pr- Tokyo to get LA and then drive. You get a chopper. Yeah, get yeah a you get the chopper. You got to get to get to Vegas on the chopper. You got to do that. Uh, all right. One more for the road. We will go to. Uh, why don't we go to let's have a good I'm just seeing looking at these questions I oh, can clean this up there we go okay yeah. last last I was, one I was just laughing I was just Come laughing because I'm I'll be in pass young for the Super Bowl you know so that's, oh yeah of course you, you will know, yeah that's my that's my big gig guys but you know Taylor could probably get a gig at a bar in Tokyo that show me the Super Bowl Fair point. I mean, you couldn't find one in Madrid. I bet Taylor could. I'd back her to find a, a bar anywhere to, to show her uh, the NFL. Um, here we go. We're going to go a little bit tangential, but it's a goodie. It's an oldie, but a goodie. Those of you who watched us back in the day will like this one. Last word to Rob Jones. Hey, Rob. Mike, why do running backs never get high anymore and leap the pile on very short yardage? <laughs> well, yeah, the tush push is kind of, you know, it's it's really it. yeah. only it's really only um big big quarterbacks tall quarterbacks who do the do the sort of and they don't even jump they sort of just kind of lean or, or mm. re- try to reach reach over like that i think that's a very good question you know maybe maybe uh, there's they're not practicing getting high the way that ricky williams used to um or you know or maybe they're more sh- short guys with a low center of gravity who don't have don't have big um you know a lot of air a lot of air underneath them but it certainly it mm-hmm. certainly still works and some of the greatest plays in, in football nfl history have been you know a couple of you know stops i'm trying to think of the linebacker for the giants who you know did the flying stop on the flying um um on the flying, uh, I wish I'd seen this. I could have looked it up, but um, see, it was Rick? Was it Reasons? I think um, was the linebacker, and you know, he he met the they met in midair, basically, mm. kind of like Superman, you know, Superman meeting some villain, you know, like cra- crashing head head on head while flying, and um, yeah, you you lose that, you lose that again. I, I I don't know. There, I can't think of a reason, but I. When, now that the questions are raised, I can't think of anybody really leaping over a pile much in the last couple of seasons. Mm. Um, yeah, well, that's one for you to ponder, I might, because you can be back next Monday. We're going to, as I say, have a Super Bowl preview Jones, with Aaron the big Jones man, so you can think it. about that. Aaron Jones did yeah, it. Yeah, Aaron Jones did it um, Did it this season mm. and backwards. I mean, he did a kind of, you know, fly it up and then come down on on his back like he was taking a bump in the WWE. You see, that is brave. Uh, but Aaron Jones, I can buy it. Brilliant stuff. Uh, at Carlton Sports is how you follow the big man on Twitter. You got work to do, Iron Mike. You got shows to yeah. make. You got to get got to two, the, back two to games, the grind. Two games tonight, early morning. Early morning time coming in from Korea, semifinals. Uh, Go well. And women's. The end is in sight. Then go well, mate. Enjoy that. Enjoy uh, the rest of that gig and, and safe travels back. I am Mike. We'll be back on the show next Monday, as I say, for the Super Bowl preview at Carlson Sports. Is how you follow him uh, on X and, of course, patreon.com forward slash Mike Carlson FMTE for the stylings, deep divings, and profiling. Look after yourself, bud. You too, right? Podcast Network.